this one will probably be a little bit deranged because I'm in a bit of a deranged mood this morning. But I have Maven. Why don't you introduce yourself, Maven, full name and what you do? Hi, um, I'm Maven. My uh, government name is Dylan Shirley Margana. Uh, I am a performance artist. I'm a drag artist and I do a lot of multimedia artwork now. Yeah. <laughs> Never get tired of using that. Um, now, I've seen uh, some of your like stuff online. Now, like one of your photos is kind of deceiving. Like, do you do performative like performative fireplay? Oh, I'm a I'm a fire eater. Oh my god! Uh, yeah, it's very very cool. It's very very fun. That's awesome. Yeah. Now I'm gonna be picking your brain about this. For oh, a while. please do, yeah, please yeah, do. Yeah. yeah. So, like, what like training is involved? How like like is there a school you go to for that, or is there an apprenticeship you do? Yeah, How's with a lot of like fire flow arts. I'm not sure whether fire eating is considered a flow art, but. Uh, with a lot of like firework, you tend to get taught by the people before you. It's it's kind of in the sideshow mentality. And so I was taught by another local fire eater. I paid her for lessons because I really wanted to do it. And um, there's only a few of us actually around WA. I mean, it used to be just like Betty, but Betty's moved over. And now there's like a few people that I know. But realistically, there aren't that many fire eaters around. Um, most of the training is actually just in the safety work. Um but I'm like, I, I always was so encapsulated with like fire as a kid and um, to be able to do it now is, is so cool. It's so, so fun. So like what, it, the, I have so many questions about mm. fire eating because that's what I suspected when I saw it. But the thing is, it's like, there's not like a full thing of you, like there's fire by your head, but I'm like, is he a fire swallower? Oh, there's a, uh, there's a full video of one of my of my first ever fire eating act. I'm very very proud of it. Let, I, I need to pull this up. I'm yeah, gonna, yeah. I'm gonna have to. It's, it's on your Instagram. Yeah, yeah. It's it's up as a reel, but it's like a full like you know three minute video. Um, it was done at Unleashed by Sugar Blue. I I have to. I actually do have to shout them out a little bit because Sugar Blue Burlesque Mel over uh, there. I would say is one of the biggest reasons I am still performing and getting booked around. And um, I feel so honored for her to be able to give me that platform to, to do fire for the first time. I would love to interview Sugar Blue. They seem like an amazing performer. Mm. Oh, like no, no. The, uh, it's a, it's the a venue burlesque. Or? No, it's like a burlesque, like, troupe slash company. Um, so Mel over in London. She, she Which blew my thinking of then. Um, Sugar du jour, sorry. Sugar du jour. Sugar du jour. She's a, an amazing one as well, and she'll crack you up like that. So mm. she's definitely one. Um, I've heard amazing things about her. Oh, yeah. yeah. She's, yeah, she's yeah. a fun time. She's a fun, fun she's time. She's one of the nicest people, mm. really dedicated performer. Extremely yeah, professional. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, in terms of, like, l l let's go into some of the details. Like, you know, don't reveal any secrets if you, because, you know, if there's some performer's tricks that you don't want to reveal to your audience. But, like... I lit a match one time. I had a party trick where I lit a match mm. and I put it out in my on my tongue. Yeah. Like like and th and that was my party trick. And that was a stupid party trick. <laughs> now, what is it with these fire sticks? Is like there is the fire a certain way that it doesn't give off a lot of heat or is it suffocated really easily? 
Like, what's what's the go? Like, do you feel the heat of it? Um, so I will profess, uh, like, preface this whole thing and say, please don't try fire eating at home. Please yes. don't do any of that at home. It's it's still very extremely dangerous, yeah. and I don't want anyone going off and doing it. Um, Just real quick, I want to point out, this is a podcast for the generation that grew up on Jackass. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, do you remember that clause at the start of all the Jackass movie? Like, warning, yeah, do not yeah. try this at home. How many of us ignored that? Yeah, I mean, so a it's lot good of us. that you did. It's good that you, you know, prefaced it. Don't try this at home. Yeah. I think that's very admirable. But I think, like, there could be someone who still tries it. <laughs> I just want to. Uh, say yeah, don't. Yeah, please, please don't. If you want to, please go to um, another like fire eater who knows what they're doing, who has a lot of experience. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, someone who is trained. Um, but something that I really love about fire eating is it is. It is exactly what it looks like. Right. There, there's no, like, secret trick. We don't, like, douse our mouth in something. Um, there's no... Like, we have a specific fuel that we use, but that's more to... That's more for the tricks. It's not for the technique of it. Um, there, like, the one thing that I really, really love about fire eating is it is exactly what it looks like. We are really putting fire in our mouths. We are really extinguishing it. We are really, you know, blowing candles. We're using all of the fuel. Um, and it's, it's honestly just like a load of, of fun because when you get a trick and you know how it works and you understand, like I, I grew up really being quite strong in math and science. Mm -hmm. And so to be able to perform and have this kind of like physics understanding is so like, oh, okay, interesting how these worlds can like collide in such interesting ways. So it's almost like a real practical science behind the Oh, there is a very real and practical science. And to be honest, I would say that level of understanding is necessary to be able to fire eat. You need to understand how fire works. You need to understand how your fuels work. You need to understand like, um, because that's also comes into the safety part of it. Of course. If you don't know how the fire burns, then you don't know the safety precautions around it. Um, so, you know, even though people, uh, fun, fun and games and all that sort of stuff, I think the understanding of it is probably one of the most, if not the most important part of it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So in terms of a few other things, let's talk about like, I I, want to ask, do you, you, if it's all real, as you say, then you must be feeling like the heat in your mouth. Like, have you had any accidents? Have you had any slip ups? How is it controlled? You, I mean, at the end of the day, you are working with fire. And when you're working with fire, you are bound to get burned and you have to take necessary precautions. The sacrifices we make for our performance. Yeah. You're not going to wear anything flowy. I'm not going to wear anything that would like melt onto my skin. No, I imagine fire, Um, um, fire swallowing and, uh, burlesque i imagine you wouldn't wear a lot to begin with. <laughs> um yeah exactly i mean it's i mean i'm a pretty this, this is gonna sound crazy considering now that i fire eat and i wear like nothing on stage but um for the most part i'm a pretty conservative performer as far as things go you know mm. i'm next to people like matthew pope who's wearing like a itty bitty oh. thing on stage yeah. uh i know matthew pope yeah, exactly yeah, 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 yeah. exactly and so lovely guy um way. and so you know it's it's actually great you know i do some fire trails and yeah every once in a while you will get like a little burn on like the tongue or something but uh if you're doing it safely it shouldn't be anything more than like if you were to drink a hot soup, we like to say. Right. Yeah. Right. If you're getting anything worse than that, you're probably not doing it correctly. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, oh, okay. Fair enough. But again, the sacrifices you make for your performance, it's mm. kind of incredible. <laughs> so like, uh, ob- now you were obsessed with fire as a kid. 
Yeah. Now, I suppose that can go one of two ways. Yes. And I suppose you chose the better of the two ways. And you don't know that. People. You don't know that. Um, <laughs> maybe not. Maybe not. But, like, tell me if I'm wrong. No, I mean, I, I used to go with my family to, like, Cirque du Soleil and, like, the local circus, like, circus, like, Joseph Ashton. I'm not sure if you know them. Like, they're, like, a traveling I'm circus familiar with Australia. Them. Um, but I remember going to them and just, like, looking at the people more than anything and being, like, how do they get to that point in their lives? With, like, Joseph Ashton, they're a family circus, so it's a bit different. But with something like Cirque du Soleil, I was, like, well, they're not just going to, like, pack up, go home, and go to their, like, office jobs the next day. Mm. I mean, some of them might, but, like, mm. most of them are probably performers who do this as a job and who and so i was always like enamored by like how do people end up living such different like different lives um mental illness exactly yeah, yeah, yeah exactly yeah. and i'm and i'm going there i'm yeah. going there yeah um and so i used to you know look at people who especially did things i was never going to be the trapeze artist up throwing myself i just knew it was just never going to be me i was never going to be the contortionist who was like you know bending themselves backwards but um i saw these people who were doing fire and and doing uh like burlesque even or burlesque adjacent performances because i was like a tiny kid um uh you know like clowning and like uh, just like general performance entertainment. That's why I fell in love with theater originally. I, I come from the world of theater. Hmm. Um, and I went like, I can, so I can what, aspire to that. Theater? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, I originally uh, wanted to go into theater. WAPA was supposed to be like my path and then things kind of diverted. Uh, performative kids be like, yes, I had this structured path and then I veered off it. It's a yeah. style as old as time. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm, yeah. Very, I'm very grateful that I've steered... Um, because I feel like so many different opportunities have opened up for me that I previously would not even have on my radar. Um, now, when we spoke the first time I met you, you mentioned you, that you style a lot of your own clothes in a lot of your own performances. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. So, like, and do you style any of the clothes in your fire performances? With, with fire, it's pretty easy. Like, I'm wearing, like... A little like underwear. I'm wearing like maybe like a little bolero moment and like my like my thigh highs or something. So it's pretty easy for fire. Um, I kind of you know, but I think especially in terms of dressing myself. In terms of for example, like I I, I do f I study fashion when I'm not performing, so I know how to sew and I know how to uh, put things together. And um, I think it's all right. All... You can help me with my onesie. <laughs> Slowly falling exactly, apart. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, I think it's a consistent process of, and this is actually something interesting because, uh, and I had a feeling this would come up, but I'm slowly trying to incorporate my non-drag side of things into it of like, I have kind of put that on the back burner for a few years now. What, the and drag or? No, no, no. My, my own personal being of like how I want to personally present myself. And, um, I was like looking at myself going out to like drag shows and I was like, I look crazy i look like a straight man like going out to some gay club with like you know my like my uh what fuck, i forgot the name of it uh <laughs> my like little backpacks and like so um now even first off first off let me specify something yeah anyone walks into connie's wearing a backpack they don't look straight okay. yeah yeah. Uh, yeah that is <laughs> true yeah. yeah normally you know what if so if if someone walks into connie's with a backpack and goes to the cloakroom with it, 
Normally, they're the gayest person. Yeah, there. no, you, you do make a good point. Because yeah. if they're wearing a backpack, they're probably pretty comfortable being there. Yeah. Um. No, I was just, like, looking at myself being like, this is weird. This doesn't make sense with what, like, the aesthetics that I really want to put out there. I don't really know what that is yet. But I think that's the thing. Like, it's the same with drag. Like, you are consistently evolving yourself as a performer and your aesthetics. And uh, styling comes into that as well. You know, what what will this piece do with this piece? What kind of energies do they bring out? Mm. What do I want the audience to see? Mm. Um, am I wanting them to see my whole body? Or, like, with one of my first acts, I do, like, the staple act. And uh, I was like, well, I want this to be quite raw, but I also don't really want to show too much of my body. Like, I don't want physicality to be the whole thing. So the whole thing is flesh-toned right. um, or, like, new, like neutral. So uh, I think it's, like, a consistently evolving process, like, right. how you want to put yourself out there. Well, I suppose with any performative art, whether it be my art of comedy, yeah, which is, which I call it, like, the art that's not an art. Because really it's like... It's so weird to explain and only a comedian would get it, but it's like something different. But it still covers the ground. I suppose with any art though, like we always, like I always say anyway, that a joke never has never left the workshop. Like there's never a final product of a joke. Everything's like always up for reinvention, rewording, retiming, restructuring. Yeah, you're And exactly I suppose right. that's similar to certainly a lot of like performance art and certainly a lot of creative art. Even when you look at something and you think that's a really, really great final finished product, you might leave it for like six months, come back to it and it's like, mm, it's amazing, but I want to reinvent it. That, that's exactly it. And uh, with my staple act, actually, I really want to reinvent it. You know, it's great. I love the format of the act. I, I actually love the act itself. I just go, like, I've personally grown as a performer. I personally have, um, you know, developed my skills and I want my acts to reflect that. Hmm. Um, I think it's very common, like, even at uni and stuff when we're, when we're working on different projects and I'm talking to a lot of different creatives, at some point you have to kind of call it quits. Hmm. And it's not a bad thing um, at all, like, because we're working with a much more physical you know, art and design at uni, we have to be like, well, we need to know when to stop to like hand it in for like assessments. But even if we want to go back and like change something and it's like change a hem or like change a shape, that is completely valid. These things are objects. And in the case of acts, they are, they're, you know, they're things that are almost not even a thing until we put them on stage. Um, and so they're always up for reinvention. They're always up for change. And I think that's extremely healthy. And it tells me as like a person that, you know, you're thinking about different things. You're continually uh, working and striving to be better as a performer. It's um, it's a sign of good practice and good virtue. Right. Well, I like to get into some of the details of uh, like the performances. Now. Yeah, go for it. So... Tell me, now you've mentioned, obviously, Sugar Blue Burlesque, mm. uh, Burlesque Troupe, which is, I, I've met a few of them. I believe Matthew Pope works with them. Um, I'm not sure. I, I th think that he's worked with them a few times. I'm not sure whether he's part of the... The troupe itself. No, I don't think he's part of the troupe. Oh, okay. No. I need to get more familiar with this Burlesque <laughs> But I, I, I've seen a few of the people that they've worked with. I believe Carl Chaos has worked with them i don't yeah, know if he's a direct few. member of them mm, but, no, I don't uh, think so yeah either. yeah yeah but uh yeah so i've met a few of the performers that have been associated with them and uh out of all of that time with them 
and you can you can substitute it for a drag performance if mm. you prefer. But what do you think is your favorite performance? Your your most standout performance? What was a performance for you where you got off stage or you went home and you were just like, "Fuck, that was good." Oh, of myself? Yes. Oh, I think I like performances for different reasons. So it's it's hard to say. Like I, you know, it's more like sliders on dials you know like right. you, when you're like customizing something and things like go up and down like right. maybe like mario kart is a good example of that you can right. get like max speed but you might not have you know and so i i like uh different things for various reasons i think there are milestones right like my first one of my first paid gigs was like unleashed which was with sugar blue um and and that was like a really big thing for me i i felt so honored to be there i was around a few people that i knew and i was able to meet a bunch of people and you know people still come up to me and talk about the performance of that day this day which is so wild to me because that was like a couple years ago now um i think my when i debuted my pasta act at death of glitter that was a huge thing for me i was working with betty betty bombshell uh on that act for a little bit and um you know it was it was so cool to be able to put that on stage and then to be able to put that on later on at Fringe was amazing, insane. Um, to do Unleashed again with my fire act, to do, you know, I think there are different things and different milestones that I've been able to to hit that I have been, like, so honored to be able to do. Like, it's more, it's more of this, it's more of this, like, looking back on the timeline and going... Oh wow! This I, I, I'm holding like space for that. Yeah. Um. Less so like what was my favorite or you know, mm. yeah. Um. Fair enough. That's a very. Uh, I mean, I love the complexity of the answer because it's like it's something a bit different. You're you know you're acknowledging that it's like well, it's not as simple as that of terms of favorite performance. So I really like that in terms of yourself. Now, I'll quickly tell you. My, my version of this, when I first started out in comedy, when I realized like, mm, I'm kind of good at it. Um, and then I realized who I was working with and then the nature of comedy. I realized no one was making comedy for our like generation, so to speak. And uh, that was one thing. And like, you know, I've had older people come up to me and say I've had a great performance and they like the joke. I've had younger people of my own generation enjoy it. Mainly younger people though. And those are the generation that I created for. And the reason why I started doing that comedy is because, I mean, I don't believe the theory that, you know, but when boomers say, oh, our generation is sensitive. First off, it was our generation that popularized dead baby jokes. So there's your theory gone there. But uh, I do think that there's a serious, like, void in terms of Gen Z comedy. Do you know what I mean? In mm. terms of comedy for our generation. So, like, when I first started, I started creating that. When you first started in your burlesque or anything like that, was there anything like you... Was there anything you wanted to do for the audience when you started? Like, you wanted to show them something, whether it be an emotion, an, an element of culture, an element of... Uh, an element of... Or, of anything, really. Was there any of that for you? Well, going into performing, I knew that I wanted to be more of a unique performer. And I knew that I wanted to, uh, you know, really think I don't know about... too many fire swallowers, man. <laughs> yeah, that's, um, uh... yeah, I mean, I mean, at least around here, it's it's not very common. Um, yeah, but like, 
I also understood going into performing that, like, nothing's kind of new under the sun. Like, you know, I, I as much as... There's only so much originality. Yeah, um, and um, with, with performing and wanting to put something on stage, I knew that I wanted to be unique. And the more that I fell into it, the more I kind of fell into things for community and understanding, like, you know, we make up a local scene here in Perth. The people who sit in the audiences are mostly other performers and people who are part of the scene. And so, um, and so going back and, like, uplifting the community in that sort of way is extremely important. And to be a part of that fabric is extremely, extremely cool. Mm. So, like, later on, you know, other performers in the scene became a huge influence for me. And um, and being able to, you know, look at the various... I, I tend to be quite referential in my work. So, like, looking at, well, what are, what are some things that we might be able to see in an everyday way and kind of pick it up and go, oh, this is really interesting. I was talking to another performer recently. Oh, I, her name escapes me, but I was backstage with her at New Kids on the Block. Um, and, and she had asked on Facebook for like a bunch of performer scraps from everyone. Mm. And that's for us, these are things that are extremely, extremely common, like, you know, sequin fabrics and like wigs and stuff. And she had modeled it into this gigantic, like monster. Um, it was so, so cool. And I was, I was talking to her about her process and, um, it was this like beautiful, beautiful, like big monster that she would wear and she would like you know like uh do this whole act with and i think like i think that's the best way of describing like there's something about the nature of that work that really speaks to the way that i want to move forward right uh in the sense that um i mean she was being sustainable she was being like creative she was being like you know, referential and, and I think with my own work, it wasn't something that I necessarily wanted to portray on stage, but it was like, how, how can I put my creative, how can I develop my creative practice in a way where I'm working towards a set of how I want to be, if that makes any sense. Um, each, uh, each act I understand contributes to the way that I operate as a performer. Mm -hmm. And so maybe it's less so about what I want to portray specifically. Maybe within acts, I want to portray sp specific things. But overall, as a performer, it's like I'm continuing to work on the virtues that I want to express. Right. As opposed to like, you know, I'm just representing one thing. Uh, no, I, I see what you're getting at. Yeah. I see what you're getting at. Uh, for you, it's... I suppose it's a process which you spend a lot of time thinking about because there's a lot of things you want to encompass within your performance, which I suppose is, this doesn't apply to comedy because comedy has no reverence in it. It's, it's anti-reverence. But um, I suppose when you know, you're doing things in regards to fashion, fire breathing, drag, performance, all theatre, all of that stuff, with all of those things coming together, I suppose there, there has to be a lot of different expressive, uh, 
viewpoints, like in terms of that there has to be a lot of... God, I'm trying to sum this up correctly. There has to be a lot of uh, different messages you want to convey when you're bringing all of those things together. You know, like... You know, people might think drag and burlesque, well, they go hand in hand. Well, they haven't always. Fire breathing, circus performing, it's like, okay, well, that's like, that's, again, that's really its own kettle of fish. Mm. Like, I don't think burlesque and circus performing, you know, I could see why they might have a history together, but I don't think they're necessarily conventional partners. And then would you consider like theater? Like that's, it's very much associated with all of them. So while they're all like linked, they're all like very much their own thing as well. And so it must be very, there it must be like a whirlwind of emotions and like intentions when you collaborate certain uh, creative arts. Uh, yes and no. Like I think one drag, uh, the first thing about drag is like drag comes from from, from some really really weird places and has a oh, has yeah. a huge lost history. I think actually going with all of the arts, I think like all of those arts have um, a very extremely long history that come from extremely weird places. And um, and for me, I'm just like, well, I don't, I don't. I mean, I I know about some of it. I can be as educated as I as I can be and want to be. Um, I don't know whether any of them have a longer standing history and i'm sure they do mm. um obviously like you know s like circus and burlesque actually i'm pretty sure do have a pretty long history together uh dragon burlesque have kind of gone hand in hand um for a little bit now i'm sure that it has a long history like pretty much i'm just assuming that all of mm. them have a really long history and i just have no idea about it to be honest there's so much we don't know exactly yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And for me, I'm not necessarily... Ignorance is bliss, I, you know? Yeah, and I don't necessarily feel like I'm going, oh, I'm going to pair these things together, or I'm going to go, like, oh, I'm going to grab one thing from here and one thing from here. I kind of just, like, operate with the skills that I have. I, I still acknowledge at the moment, like, I'm 19. Like, I don't know anything about this world. Oh, my I God. don't know, like... The baby. I, yeah, exactly. And so for me, I'm just going, let's develop as many skills as I can. Let's, like, let's shape my perspectives in so many different ways, like expand my horizons. And I can kind of go, well, I have skills in these areas. These are things I'm able to do. You know, uh, let's kind of look through my toolbox as opposed to going, we have multiple toolboxes. We kind of just like combine it into whole soup and like, you know, just figure out things that mm. I'm not going to fire eat in like an act where I'm super serious uh, unless I kind of find a way to do that. Um, because it just doesn't go with what I want for the act, you know? Right. Um, or I'm not going to do a high, you know, high powered, like dance number and, you know, just kind of walk around stage and do nothing. Hmm. Uh, things have context and things kind of draw from different places. And, um, I think subverting those things can also be extremely powerful as well. Um, so there are, you know, so also everything that I say, grain of salt, you know, like mm. everything moves and changes, but drawing from different things without feeling the constraint of like, this is drag or this is burlesque, um, but also respecting those cultures and those worlds. Mm. Um, well, the one thing I do find about people 
who are in the performing arts is, and this isn't an ironclad rule. Again, very, there are very few ironclad rules, but um, it's okay. You don't need to put it down so gently. I know. I'm scared. of <laughs> <laughs> um, It's a heavy cup though. Yeah. But um, the, uh, the one thing I do find about performative people, and I've interviewed a few of them now, is that I find whenever they want to, generally whenever they want to blend an element of one art with an element from another art, and I've seen this with, you know, I've heard of it like I interviewed a rapper who blends it with blues music. I've oh, interviewed beautiful. a musician who blends it with like her R&B with like a classic, also a classic blues and jazz palette mm. and like an element of gospel style music beautiful. to it as well. And then you see like drag and burlesque, circus performing in burlesque, all of those things there. Generally, the performers, when they try to bring two elements of them together, they want to bring them together to exalt them. And, you know, like, uh, I mean, generally, the intention of it is always done with 100% respect. I don't understand those cultures, so I can't say it is always delivered with 100% respect, but from what I can see, the intention of it is always done with respect in terms of bringing different performative styles together. Mm. Um, have you, has that been your experience as well? Yeah, yeah, I think, um, I think, you know, I, I think that's just me as a person. I would hate to, you know, send any disrespect to these long-running um, extremely powerful and, um, you know, uh, uh, I, I say revered, not, not as like people revere them, but as like a personal reverence and kind of an understanding of why, um, people revere these skills and art forms. Um, and I would, I would just hate to disrespect that, um, from my experience that is, that that's how it is as well um it is interesting with drag especially <laughs> because drag is drag is a is kind of like anti that in, in some respects i personally don't really lean into that sort of drag um but there are plenty of people who do i'm pretty sure you had like donna on the oh yeah podcast yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, you know she's pretty irreverent she like mm. has a good time um i think she's certainly i, I what i think donna's irreverent to is irreverent to nicety irreverent right to, yeah, like yeah that's exactly it. societal norms i certainly don't think she's disrespectful no to she's not disrespectful culture. at all yeah. no um i think it's interesting how drag can like i don't want to say bastardize bastardize is the wrong word but i think like if it's the only word that can come up, just use it. No, I think I don't think that encompasses what I mean. I think it's more like you know, like parody or uh, like poke fun at various you know, like societal norms or like uh, various you know, like like practices. Mm. Um, I think it's really interesting how how uh, drag has been able to look at various you know, cultural and societal things and just kind of, like, have a bit of a laugh at them. Um, that's not something that I personally really lean into that much, although my pasta act is pretty humorous. Mm. Um, I'm not sure whether that's, you know, I, I think my drag is something that goes along with everything. I'm 
first and foremost a multimedia performance artist that utilizes the utilizes the like mediums mm-hmm. if that makes any, any senses they're just like the painting on an easel or like a sculpture on a you know like a platform i don't know i don't know anything about sculpture um but you know the, they're mediums that i draw from as like this multimedia performing performing artist and i'm kind of just like you know mm. it's it's not really it's not really I'm doing this thing mm. and I'm bringing in an aspect of this thing. It's like, I'm doing, okay, I'm building something from the ground up. Yeah. What do I want the architecture to look like? Who knows? It's, it's a lot of unfounded metaphors here. Mm. No, but like it, a creative thinking can be very difficult to map out. Yeah. You know, so like if you're struggling with it, you're probably, bear in mind, like you're probably not the only person who struggles with mm. it. You know, I find um, this is a very simplistic version of it as comedy is, but like, take for an example when I have the idea or a concept of a joke. I know I have a funny idea or a funny concept, but I haven't gotten the wording, delivery, or timing right to as yet convey that idea. And I'll spend hours, days, sometimes weeks, like, thinking about it thinking shit how do i how do i flesh this out yeah because and you know that's probably another way you're doing it where it's it's like you have this image in your head of what you want to do but you don't know how to bring it together for the audience to appreciate yeah i think like um i've been working on a few different projects right now and like anything you can plug this episode uh... will be coming out on Friday. On Friday. Oh, um, I'm really excited to do some new things for Fringe. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, I'm doing fantasy, which is a bit more like I, I learn the show sort of thing. So that's not really so much like creative input. But um, I'm doing Youngblood's show. I'm doing a Metamorphosis uh, for with Basement Burlesque. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited for them. Um, probably a few other couple things that, uh, unfortunately have slipped my mind. I'm so sorry to those people. Um, mm. um, but I'm creating some new things for that. And so, um, just looking through like creative process, I've forgotten the, the question already. I've forgotten where my mind was going with it. <laughs> what um, you're doing for burlesque. Oh yeah. Um, you know, like I might have a bunch of different things on my mind, like, oh, I really like this song, or I had this really great idea with this song. Do I want to pair it with this song? Do I want to, you know, move from that? What costume pieces do I want? And so, like, it's this constant, it's this constant, like, balancing act. It's not necessarily, like, this is what I want to portray to the the audience, and this is, like, how I get there. I'm, like, marking a path out. Sometimes it's like that. But a lot of the time, it's like, mm, I kind of, like, like this idea what sort of things go along with it maybe i'll be working on an outfit and i'll be like oh i really like this aspect of it maybe i didn't think of um maybe i didn't think of a message for the act and sort of slowly a message kind of like comes to me through it and i'm like oh maybe i need to rework this little bit and i kind of either change this or um oh i need to edit this track because i want this to portray this a little more Mm. it's it's not so i have a path and i flesh it out it's more like um i kind of have this general direction that i'm walking in with the compass maybe like you know 
I'm going north and then I kind of like stray northeast towards the end. Right. Yeah. Well, I've got one more question to ask you in regards to your own performance. And then we're going to go into a little bit about me. Go for it. Because as well as these podcasts... As well as these podcasts, I like to promote other performance art and dig into the brains of other performance art, you know, dissect them later. Mm. Um, but uh, I have to try out jokes on people. Oh, yeah. So the last question I want to ask you was, what has been the best and the worst interactions you've had with an audience member at a show for, during or after a performance? Hmm. Once again, I don't think I've got a best and worst. So I, I will say something though. Um, when I started performing, it was 2020. So that was like just when COVID hit. Very bad time to start performing. Oh, well, for me, it was actually a perfect time for performing. Um, I, I actually am very grateful for starting at that point. I think it gave me a lot of opportunities and I was able to really capitalize on it at the time. Um, but um, it basically meant like a bunch of shows got canceled and things happened and COVID rules came in. Um, in my past to act, I originally had like an audience member come up. And ever since then, I still have not had a, a um, audience member come up just because of different COVID things. And I'm hoping that one day I get to perform that act with a real audience member and they get to experience what it's like sitting in that chair and stirring that bowl and, you know, watching me get into that pasta bowl and me like, you know, like, like fake feeding them and stuff. Um... So, you know, that's, that's something that I'm like hoping for. Um, I don't think I've had, I've had bad interactions just in general. Mm. I don't think it's anything like notable, uh, in terms of like best interactions. Once again, no best interactions. I just have moments that I really appreciate. I really appreciate having a chat to, you know, my friends after a show and, you know, winding down with other performers and having a key about, about how the show went or, um, all these sorts of things. Um, it, there was a situation recently where I went to the Rocky Horror Immersive Spectacular. I'm not sure if it'll still be running once this episode comes out, but if it is, please go and support them. They're all amazing, amazing artists and performers. Um, but I was the audience member for them. And after that, you know, me and a friend just kind of waited around for them um, to come out and we, you know, we, we went and had a bit of a meal, we had a bit of a drink and it was just nice to have a chat with them and, you know, oh, how are you feeling about the tour? How are you feeling about the show? Uh, you know, let's have a bit of a key. Let's have a bit of a, you know, bit of a key, bit oh, of a key. Oh yeah. my goodness gracious. Um, man. no, a bit of a, a, oh, a bit of a key. Oh, key. Oh, bit of a right. key, okay. key. Yeah. 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 yeah, uh, yeah I'm yeah. an innocent Double child back of on Jesus. That. Double I do back on that do. quickly, didn't I? Yeah. Mm. Uh, maybe the other people uh, might be a bit that you know i uh, don't know what they get up to uh, uh, i i for one fire is not the only thing he swallows <laughs> yeah. Mm. um yeah i swallow a lot more than fire no uh, God. yeah mm. um no uh but you know it was just nice like having a catch up and you know so i don't think it's necessarily <sighs> as best and worst I could think you I imagine an any too. more bizarre scenario though a bunch of burlesque comedy or drag queen performers backstage oh, I bumping it. lines of key and oh, talking to one another that is not where i thought you were going no but imagine that scenario like could I'm you imagine sure. the conversations that would have been had well i can imagine i i feel like i am only just young enough where that wasn't something that like you know i know that perth has a bit 
of a history with various different things. Uh, I know they have stories that I do not know about. Um, Let me tell you a story I heard recently from someone. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Right. Now, I think this was 2019. I think this was 2019. Oh, so not that so long not ago. Not that long ago. There was... They didn't give the name of the performer, <laughs> but Connections did a alternative comedy performance. Oh. This performance entailed someone, a man, putting a dildo up their bum on stage and then tying a helium balloon to the end of it and then a helium balloon dragging the dildo out of his ass. Now, as a concept, very funny, I want to say. Like, yes, very, very funny. This performer had a bit of a problem. He didn't douche. So this dildo, this floating dildo, floating in the air, came out of his ass, completely covered in shit. In the air? Wait. In the not- air. How's that? Okay. It was a big balloon and not and a light dildo, apparently. Okay. Okay. So, and then this dildo floats above the audience, dripping shit. And then apparently, like, they had audience members rock, like, walking out and, like... Yes, the, 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 like, the matron of the Perth drag scene, Barbie Q, was like, you can never do this again. Like, like, yeah, and then the guys were, yeah. And I, I heard that story, and, like, could you fucking imagine, like, a, a dildo, like, floating across the dance floor of the fucking connections covered in shit? I know it's a bizarre club. Some bizarre things go on there, and you see some bizarre shit all the time. That would have... Really being one for the whole of fame. I've personally never heard the story, which, considering the absurdity, I'm kind of surprised by if this did occur. <laughs> um, I've heard some crazy shit go down. I have this on Connie's. good authority from oh. one of the staples of Perth Drag. Oh, word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, word. Like, this isn't this isn't coming from some baby drag. Yeah, no, I yeah, story. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm just thinking like. I, I know that under the Connie's license, they're not allowed to do any form of insertion. So in terms of the performance itself, they would have probably already gotten in trouble for that. Mm. Um, I don't even know what to say to that. That's some, that's some, you know, crazy, that's some crazy, crazy stuff. I know back like 20, like 16, 17, 18, like that was like, that was like when a lot of crazy stuff was going down. Um, you know, looking at the photos from back then and like, I'm like, wow, what? What was going on? What was happening? Uh, you know, oh, to what be... guy shit. Oh, to be, you know, li- living in that era of Perth drag. Um, and and uh, it's it's nice to have a bit of a laugh at and just like, you know... Of course it is. Of yeah, course it's, it's nice to have a laugh at. Um, Absolutely. Uh, and also it's, it's really... It's really great as a young performer seeing how uh, those performers have grown and evolved now. It's like... Um, it it it's quite inspiring because it just means that my little like my little like drag babiness can flourish flourish yeah mm-hmm. in a space where I understand that that they had those errors as well and they they can see where they can see where I'm at and where I'm kind of like traveling to it's mm-hmm. nice well that's awesome now last question before we go into something else mm. um who and, and again you might not be able to answer this it might be a complicated answer and that's okay um 
who has been one of the most iconic performers that you have worked alongside in terms of like they were your favorite either due to their talent, how supportive and nice they were, or, you know, how professional they were. Because, and let me say from this, I told someone I was interviewing you and that person had very, very high praise for you. Oh, thank you. That yeah. mean that means a lot. That yeah, means a lot they said they so are much. an amazing performer. They have great vision, and they are one of the utmost professionals. Mm. And like that is something extremely rare amongst uh, drag queens. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, that means that means a lot to hear. I mean, what uh, I think I have a few people in mind. Like um, I, I didn't know very much about the performing world when I came in, even though. I, I think I thought I had some sort of semblance of it. I had no semblance of it at all. Um, but like working with, I recently did um, lip service with Geneva and I was a big fan of Geneva. I didn't know she lived in Perth before I came out and started performing. And so to be able to work with literally one of like my drag, like, like icon, like uh, that was such an amazing, amazing experience. And I really hope I get to work with her in the future because she's just such an amazing creative and I draw so much inspiration from her. Um, and working with, I mean, now I'm good friends with a lot of them, like Denise the Snake, uh, working just alongside and, and being, uh, you know, being around her creative vision has been amazing. Uh, Sugar du jour, uh, someone that, you know, I, I have so much respect for and... Um, such a vision, so creative, so resourceful. Um, Betty Bombshell, uh, you know, there are so many people around. I'm, I'm not even, you know, encapsulating Lucy Lovegun, Kitty Latour. Uh, there's so many people like, I'm just like, I am so, so glad I've been able to work with you. Um, Jojo Firestar. Um, there are so many people around that I'm just like, I'm so glad that I've been able to meet you and work with you and learn from you. Um, thank you so much. Um, Justin, I don't know his last name. Sider? No, but yes, Justin Sider as well. Um, Justin- I interviewed Justin Sider on The Street recently in our latest segment of Street Talk. Oh, beautiful, beautiful person. Like, Yeah, they were lovely. Like, they were lovely. Oh, just a lovely human being. I've just being. scheduled an interview in for them in December. So I They're can't wait to interview them. A beautiful, beautiful human being. Mm-hmm. And like, honestly, like, in terms of, I'm quite a, like, I'm quite, like, I carry myself as quite, like, a virtue ethics person of, like, I do things to develop who I want to be as a person. Mm. Like, Justin is one of those people where I'm, like, you have a set of virtues that, like, it's just so admirable, mm. just so, like, beautiful. Um, and, um, you know, working with him and, like, his, his all-ages drag shows when I was, had just freshly turned 18 and, like, um, you know, seeing a show Dickless and, you know, seeing how he's evolved as a performer has been beautiful, beautiful as well. Um, there are so many people around and I think me, as I travel further into this performing world and I find about more out about more people, as I get involved with more communities and I meet more people, there are just more people that I'm just like, oh, wow, like this is insane. This is beautiful. This mm-hmm. is like, I've, I feel so honored to be able to be around you in the same, you know, breathe the same air as you, to be able to develop my performing skills mm. um alongside you uh in the same reference though we're all human beings and we all work and um 
and to be able to also key with these people uh like key yeah. going go yeah, forward know. again yeah. Yeah. Um, certified cocaine hey, yeah. right yeah. um you know to be able to to just you know have a laugh with these people and to be able to just like pick their brains about their normal everyday life that is outside of performing and all mm-hmm. that's really cool as well well that's I mean, I like your attitude towards other performers as well as to what people you're on to work with because I remember, you know, talking to another comedian and I kind of consider him like my comedy dad and that's like Chief Kozo, amazing, amazing Perth-based comedian, um, doing his special next year. He's an hour-long special, which is like the – that's like the, you know, once you've found a venue to – do an hour special at and they say oh yeah we'll let you do a special at like and then someone to fund it promote it all of that kind of stuff um that's like the top tier like, of comedy like that's the the yeah, achievement unlocked game complete sort of thing you know and uh he was like you know performers should never be too good for their um the people they're performing for you know, and uh, that was another thing where, like, someone had to praise you. Someone said they had to praise you, and they were like, they are so giving to their audience in terms of because they had done room theater with you, and they were like, they had just great attitude towards the people in the room. And it's like, it was just amazing to see them exemplify because I, I do think. A lot of performers, not all of them, and certainly not Justin Sider. Justin Sider was amazing. I see exactly what you were getting at in terms of them as a person. They were really, really cool to be around. I'll show you the photo we got together. It's such a... I'm so proud of it, to be honest with you. And I'm not proud of a lot, you know. <laughs> so, where, 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 where is it? Where is it? Aha! Oh, wow. What a cool photo. I know. Oh, wow. With the subway in the background. Yeah. It was extremely great meeting them. They were incredibly nice. And then, yeah, we scheduled a performance a little bit after, an interview a little bit after that. But, yeah, someone was saying about you, the reason why they like you so much is because you take such a great attitude to the people you're performing for. And it's like, it's... Because at the end of the day, our performance is for our audience and therefore we should not be too good for our audience, right? Yeah. Would you agree? Yeah, I, I think uh, I think that's something that I balance up as well. You know, I think when I, because I do a lot more unique work, it's, it's you have to also think about the audience that's, that's coming in for the, for the show. Mm. Um, it's... It's great in Perth in the sense that I feel like I've been able to cut my teeth on um, on people who get it, mm. on people who are around performing, who um, who get to see these various things and understand the layers at which I work. You know, I am very much so someone who likes to put on a performance where, you know, if the average person walks in, and this doesn't go with all my performances, um, but... Um, I like to go, oh, if this person were to walk in and never have seen a drag or like things, spot, they'd be like, okay, work, you know, like, cool, this really cool thing. But maybe someone who 
uh, really wants to think about a piece goes, oh, this is actually kind of interesting. And then maybe someone who walks in who is you know, really likes costume goes, oh, that's a really interesting choice. Like, mm. I think that, there's, that, you know, I really like to be able to go, like, who's walking in and what sort of level, what sort of level, what sort of various levels at mm. which they can engage with and they'll be able to to grab onto it and be like, oh, I really like this for maybe this reason. Um, in terms of audiences, it goes also the other way of like, I also want to protect my own, my own artistic and uh, performance integrity of like, well, I still want to portray myself on stage. Mm. I don't want to sacrifice the, like who I personally am and my own performance art to, uh, do something that I don't feel reflects who I am on stage. Mm. Um, I think there are ways to lean. Like, I think I consistently am, um, going like, how can I be commercial, but also not sacrifice that sort of artistic integrity, um, but I also think like you're still performing, performing for an audience in a room at the end of the day, how, yes. um, it's something that sugar actually, uh, talked to me about. And I thought was extremely, um, important, which was like, you're, you're entertaining an audience that you're there for entertainment. Mm-hmm. Like, let's not get that twisted. Um, but also you, it doesn't, you shouldn't necessarily feel too constricted by that either. No. Well, don't you think... Now, I've interviewed a few drags. I've interviewed a lot of comedians. I've been, well, I've interviewed a lot of drags and a lot of comedians and a few rappers. And there's a few things that unite them, a few things that separate them. You know, we're all performers, chiefly. But don't you think, particularly drag and burlesque, they are like, you know, for me, what I've noticed about them, it's like when uh, reverence and awe meet uh provocativeness and exhibitionism now that might be the wrong interpretation but that's just me saying that as an outsider like in terms of and i don't mean exhibitionism like in a fetishized sense either um and like provocation because it's like when you see uh did you see twisted Oh, uh, no, was it Twisted? Um, Sideshow, sorry. Sideshow. No, I didn't guess that, okay. unfortunately. No. Right. Now, let's say a lot of, like, provocating uh, imagery and things in that show, but you're in awe of it as well because, you know, there's dance numbers that Matthew Pope and Carl Chaos <sighs> do together. Yes. And, you know, then there's uh, um, Freddie Big Perfect mm. in stilts. And then there's uh, Ruby Jewels, Ruby, the, the Ruby, other... Polka Dot Ruby. Po- Polka Dot Ruby. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Like all of these. I haven't met them yet, but I've heard great things about Polka also, Dot Ruby. I am obsessed with all of those performers, yeah. like so much. Yeah. Uh, like I like that whole cast. I'm like... <gasps> Like, mm. seriously, I love that whole cast. Mm. Carl Chaos, like, oh, like Matthew Poe, oh, Polka Dot Ruby. It's like all of these people, Ruby Jewels, oh, like, um, you know, and, and, and Freddie, like, I, I remember when they, um, like, I started to follow, um, drag when they were still going by flow. Mm. And so, like, um, having, having, um, meeting them when I started drag and being like, oh my gosh, like, this is like you're like this is how your drag has evolved and like like it, it's 
I'm obsessed with that whole cast mm. and all their skills are so cool. It was, you know what? I was kind of like um, in kind of shock and awe because Thursday night after a show, I went to pop, Thursday night pop. Yeah. Fun time. Yeah. And, uh, I was at the bingo before and, and this was a night where Alexis Armstrong uh, Veronica Jean Jones and Ruby Jules were all performing that night for like, yeah, yeah, closing. Yeah. Like three pillars of, you know, the performance, the performing scene in Perth. Not just necessarily the performing drag scene, the entire performing scene. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And uh, they were like, all of them went crazy. Like, and like at the front audience, like, I recognized a few faces. Like these were people who were familiar with the scene. And these people, like Alexis Armstrong is amazing, but they like do two or three shows like almost every week. Incredibly busy. Veronica Jean Jones is very similar, always doing shows. These are people who made appearances to stage uh, quite frequently. Yeah. Ruby Jules has kind of taken a bit of a backstep, like because she, you know, wants to take some time away and, you know, a bit of time for themselves. When they hit the stage, and started like i got freaked out by how it's nuts the audience went oh because it was like it was like a it was like a legend had come out of like (laughs) semi-retirement you know what i mean (laughs) like you know i feel like if i if i call uh ruby a legend she's gonna you know like hit me for calling her old so i'm like you know, I, she's kind of like, I kind of feel like she's a bit of a drag auntie for me. So like, yeah. I can't. Yeah, auntie Ruby. That's yeah, right. exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah I know. Yeah. I got to be careful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, no, it was like that. And like, I don't mean that in a sense that they're old. Yeah. I mean, they're like they've just been, you know, they're still actually relatively young. As no, a she's, yeah, she's young. And uh, like they were like, yeah, like they just got on stage and like they crush. And yeah. It was like, and I was like, the fucking audience and went just went nuts yeah and it's like you haven't made an appearance in ages like in terms of like a solo performance Mm. and then they just hop on stage and just smash it yeah and like everyone is just like i mean look if it was a western like if it was in the wild west people would have been letting fucking guns off into the ceiling you know (laughs) like it it was like pretty it was pretty iconic Mm. you know for her so and then i told her that afterwards like when i was like uh catching up with drinks with all the drags and she was like i didn't even hear them to be honest and, ah! she, and, she, and i was like what and she was like she I said like, i usually get louder claps yeah. what are you talking no about? no you know what she was she said she was like she was like i was focusing way too much on getting the steps right yeah <laughs> yeah, the, yeah and, uh, she was like yeah she was like i was really just focusing way too hard on, yeah. i think i turned off the my noise sense you know so well so yeah. to everyone listening i guess that just means you got to cl- clap louder for ruby yeah she's on stage yeah 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 yeah, <laughs> yeah. but uh no they were all amazing too yeah that night. and uh, that was a night where there were actually again quite a lot of amazing acts on that night i like in terms of like, yeah the, i actually really enjoyed that night. yeah yeah you were there that night yeah we said hi yeah yeah I say hi to so many people so many times. (laughs) That's Connie's for you. You say bye and it takes like 20 minutes before you leave. Oh, for fuck. It's like a fucking family barbecue. (laughs) 
<laughs> it, is. Yeah, it, it is. It yeah. is. Yeah. It's like, yeah. It, oh, it's time to go, guys. And then it's like, oh, I got to go upstairs yeah, to say goodbye. Say, yeah, oh. yeah, 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 yeah. I got to go say bye to the kids. I got to go yeah. say bye to the old aunties. I got to go say bye to mum, yeah. everyone. And it's like, then, then by the like, you know, it's okay. It's eight o'clock. That's a good time to leave. By the time you get through your fucking goodbyes, it's midnight. Yeah. And, then, and not, by that point, they've convinced you to stay for one more drink. And it's like, yeah, oh. you sit outside for Uber. You yeah. say goodbye to people through there. Yeah, you know, I, I know. Yeah. I know. It's fucking. <laughs> oh, Did you come from a big family? Uh, yes and no. I I kind of like I come from a big family, but I don't see them often because a lot of them don't live in Perth. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. I have, I'm one of six children. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we, uh, we all get along pretty well. And then we have a lot of cousins, a lot of aunties. A lot Where of are you in the, like the lineup? I'm of the ages. baby. Yeah, I was going to say, baby. you give like youngest energy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I have a bit I'm working on, which was like, uh, it's like, was anyone, were, were any of you slapped as children? And it's like, yeah, yeah, I feel like we were that last generation to get slapped as children. But I feel like the urge for, I feel like parents don't get the urge to slap their children until about child number three. Oh, yeah. interesting. But I, I was say- the youngest of six children. So by that point, it wasn't so much an urge as it was an instinct. You well, know? <laughs> I have to say as an only child, uh, that certainly didn't stop my parents. Yeah. <laughs> Are yeah. we part of the same generation? Uh well, I feel like we're both Gen Z. I'm 24. Oh, work. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't know where the lines like cross. I don't I, know where people. I, I feel it. like yeah. I feel like we're both part of Gen Z. Yeah, but I'm just in the you know elders of Gen Z. I still point. feel like I'm the older side of Gen Z. I don't know what. No, you're the baby of Gen Z. No, 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 no. These these Zoomers, these these Gen Zers, like I oh. Like, I feel, I, I'm young, I acknowledge that. In terms of this generation, I feel, like, old. I think, I think it's just, like, the world has gotten extremely, extremely quick. Oh, yeah, yeah, and, and trust me, it goes quicker the further you get into it. Yeah. It's fucking ridiculous. Well, that's what I enjoy about being a part of so many different, like, subcultures yeah. and, like, groups and stuff. It's just, like, I, I get to be around the people. The yeah. other thing, too, is it's, like, you know if it's going fast, you're having fun. Oh, yeah. Like this year, this year of doing comedy, this year has been one of the fastest going years ever. And that's mm. because it's been like pursuing comedy and doing this. It's been like one of the personally the most rewarding, fulfilling, like funnest times for me. Yeah. And I was someone who quit FIFO and quit like a pretty nice pay packet, mm. you know, and I had a nice pay packet too. And I was like, fuck this. Why am I pursuing something that I fucking hate? Totally. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then like now that I'm, you know, pursuing comedy and it's like, and then I just do bartending to pay the bills and a few electrical and some electrical work as well. Mm. It's fucking amazing. Also, the lady I bartend for is the best boss in the world. I won't hear anything else. If, you know, I would kill for that woman. If she needed it too, because she is honestly like, it's it goes mum, mm. sisters, mm. aunties, mm. Jerry. Oh, work. Yeah, yeah, and that's the, shout the out boss to Jerry. Jerry. Yeah, like like, I'm sorry, girls, but anyone I'm I, I think I actually dated a girl recently, and I told her about how much I like my boss, and she she jokingly said like, oh, what are you saying? If she got divorced, you would leave me for her. And in full seriousness, I was just like. 
Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like you have no idea how quickly I would drop Word. you for Jerry. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, like in terms of in terms of like I, I'm still extremely young, so I, it's not like I know anything about the world or or have experienced you know true like financial hardship or anything mm. like that. You know, I still live at home and stuff, and I I I feel very lucky that I um, am able to do what I do. Um, you know, before I before I accepted my place for fashion, I had um, an actuarial science um, spot lined up because mm-hmm. I had a very, I have a very strong maths background. Mm-hmm. Um, and Me so, too. My mum was a maths teacher. Yeah. One of the few subjects I was good at. And so, you know, I knew that if, I, I knew that if I had gone through the actuarial science route, I, I would be fine through the course. Like I know it's, it's a, it's a pretty difficult course, but I knew that I'd be fine. I'd get through the exams and mm-hmm. stuff. And I knew that I, I could become an actuarian. Baseline, I think that that's like at least six, six figures comfy, you know, like not not in the ones. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so to kind of like weigh up my options and be like, no, I, that's not what I want. I want to pursue, you know, like my performing and like my arts area yeah. was extremely, extremely difficult. And um, like I, I have to at least say like my my heart goes out to you because it's not the easiest jump to make either. No, but like the reality is, is that no amount of money. And I remember when I was going through it, my friend Jen said to me, no amount of money can answer the question. What if, and that's what if ultimately, that is ultimately the reason why I have this like extremely bleak vision of me in like an office job, like sitting there yeah. making a load of money and going like, what if I was sitting somewhere else right now? Like, what would I be doing? Yeah. And I, that honestly, like that image of me haunts me. Mm. And that's ultimately why I did not pursue a, you know, like a, let's say more stereotypically academic. A traditional route. Yeah, a yeah, traditional yeah, yeah, job, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, fuck it, you know. There has to be some people like us or the rest of the people will get fucking bored, you know. Like we, <laughs> and that's the hope. That's the hope that yeah, it's me. <laughs> yeah. But uh, we will wrap up this episode soon. It has been so lovely having you on. Yeah, thank you I'm so gonna much. I'm going to quickly plug my dates for my French shows. Yeah, go for it. Uh, guys, we are on at the 20... 20- Look out for these dates. Book them. 27th of January, 10th of February, and 18th of February. Me, David Morgan Brown, Martin Darcy, Sadi Chalabi, Omar, Chris Pachulo, and Robbie Brooks. It is an amazing lineup of comics. It is really, really good. I can't announce the uh, venue yet, um, but that will be announced in the very next episode, uh, which will be coming out. What time's the show? It's an evening show. Well, there's still so much to organize with this show. I'm just <laughs> shouting out the dates because totally. it's like, yeah. guys, lock in these fucking dates, all right? Because I want to fucking see you there, all right? David, it's David Morgan Lock Browns. out the whole day. Exactly, exactly. You know, get pissed in the morning so you're an easy audience to deal with. Mm. I'd much rather deal with a drunk audience than a fucking sober audience. Oh, interesting. Audience. Wow. Oh, com- that's where comedy and burlesque is different. Comedy and burlesque and drag is different. Yeah, don't yeah. touch me. Don't look at me. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. Just enjoy my vibe, my presence. Whereas- you know, comedy is like we are on stage and then it's like, yes, be as drunk as shit because it gives me a license to fucking abuse you. You know, <laughs> so like, yeah, that's pretty much the way that goes. But um, those are the dates, the venue and 
times will all be announced soon and very very soon i will be posting uh links for ticket sales so please please if you want to support the local perth comedy scene and see some of perth's youngest best upcoming performers uh and robbie brooks the old boy uh um please come down it's going to be amazing thank you so much would is anything you would like to plug yeah i don't uh, wait this can this will all be cut together right no, we, we, we don't edit anything. Oh, work. We okay. just put an intro and an outro song and compress. Okay, so, well, I could be missing some dates here, but uh, please come see Fantasy. I think it runs from the 19th of January or the 20th of January to, like, the, like, ten, like ten. It runs for a long time. It mm-hmm. runs from January to February. I think it's, like, the 10th of the 10th of the 20th to the 20th. It's a long show. Please come see it. Uh, it's Frankie Vitale's show. I'm a backup dancer. It's really cool. We do a lot of shit. Um, uh, please come see Basement Burlesque Morphosis. I'm on for both nights. It's going to be a great time. And please come see uh, Youngblood. Youngblood Burlesques. I think it's called Rise and Shine. Um, and I'll probably be, for both Morphosis and Rise and Shine, be doing a new act. So... Yeah, be a fun time. Fucking oh, ladies and gentlemen, this has been Profeshi Anal Degenerates. Uh, but we have one last task for you, Maven. Mm. You need to help us name the episode. Oh no, that's. I that's always a lot. like to get my. I didn't run any jokes by today, but you know what? I did actually. I did run by that one joke about getting abused as a child. So that was kind of one, but that's still kind of workshop stages. Okay. Uh-huh. But I'm okay with that. You yeah. know? I haven't come up with... I've got a few things like... I've got lots of premises, but no fleshed out ideas that are really ready for you to hear um, in terms of new material. But why don't I tell you just one classic joke? Like okay, one, go for okay. it. Go for it. Uh, do you... Um, a lot of women say chivalry is dead. Mm. And uh, I tend to agree with them. Mm. You know? But I think it's partly because women aren't romantic anymore. You know, women don't do any romantic gestures. You know, they don't buy roses or buy you a drink or tell men how nice they look. You know, they just look at a guy <laughs> they're attracted to and they'll say, God, I want to fuck him. You know, whereas guys, on the other hand, will look at a woman we're attracted to and we'll think, Christ, I'd drink a liter of her piss just to see where it came from. You know? Now, like that might not be romantic, but it is a gesture. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I mean, what an interesting, <laughs> I find it that, that to be, that's a very multi-layer joke. It's mm. got some, some irony through there. It's got, I mean, jokes, irony, mm. but, um. Irony poisoning. Uh, yeah, 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 exactly. But, uh. How am I supposed to name this episode? What's the. Well, no. sometimes we, we give it a, like, generally we give it a name based off the, uh, discussions we've been having. Aww. Sometimes it's to play on the name of someone we've interviewed. For example, I interviewed Sassy Cassie and Blake Cassette together, and that name got called a Sassy Cassette. Mm-hmm. Um, I interviewed uh, Serenity Von Vada and Skyscraper together, oh, two of Perth's tallest bitches. Yeah. And uh, they, Skyscraper was telling the story about, like, you know, stepping on guys in berlin uh in high heels and we named the episode stepping on people in berlin and uh so it's all that kind of stuff so we we talked a lot about uh fire eating yeah 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 yeah. so um shall we call it um maven spits and swallows (gasps) fuck
fucking love it. Oh my god. You I was going right the other way and then you just came out with gold. Honestly, I love that. Guys, Maven spits and swallows. Thank you so much, wow. Maven. This has been Profeshi Anal DJ A Rates. <laughs>